Are you telling me they don't care about my privacy, Mike? They don't care a ding dong about your <laughs> privacy or mine. Wake up and smell the roses. Where's the harm anyway? <laughs> my privacy hurts. Do you oh, feel that? Damn. That's well, my privacy and it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> well, your privacy is here. Your privacy may hurt, but the lawyers don't care. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm out of us, so I don't care. I just spray a little money on that achy privacy, and it goes right away. It's ama- It's amazing. It's magic. <laughs> Please. What's up, guys? It's Wednesday, August 1st, 2012, episode 19 of Yats. It's yet another tech show every week, yet another tech show.com, our weekly technology podcast. I'm Matt Lee. Joining me tonight, we got Aunt Pruitt. What's up, Aunt? Gentlemen, what's going on? We got Larry Press. How you doing, Larry? Howdy, guys. We got Mike Rothman back. What's up, Mike? I missed you guys last week. So happy to be back with you. It's not even a normal week when I can't do a yats with my favorite older gentleman, Mike. We missed you. And filling in for, I don't even know who he's filling in for, but we got him along anyway. Eric Finkenbeiner all the way from Myanmar and Attack of the Androids last night. What's up, Eric? That music has me so pumped. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. I I almost want (laughs) to just use that for AOTA also. Could you imagine? I don't think it goes with our gloom and doom, uh, <laughs> you know, the how we currently present ourselves. Android mobile sphere, just the de- most depressing right. podcast out there. Goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's like an upbeat, the androids are taking over. Right. And then, oh, except we all have data caps. <laughs> so, Ouch. so much for that. Uh, like I said, make sure you guys are subscribed in iTunes, write us a review so we can get more visibility in the podcast section. We always appreciate that. Follow us on the social networks, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, all that stuff, and you'll know exactly when the show goes live, because we post, we say, hey, Yats is on, sucker, come watch. So let's start the show out. Um, I'm a more, I'm a newer Netflix subscriber. I used to have it way back in the day, and then I got rid of it because I just DVDs just sitting around collecting dust. Didn't didn't really care for DVDs anymore. It was cool at the beginning because you could get two DVDs, rip them real quick, send them back, get two more, rip them real quick, send them back, get two more. You know, but you can only have such a big DVD collection before you just need a, a different media. So I got rid of it, and then lately I got just the streaming account. And the other day, it was maybe a month ago, I got an email <laughs> from... I guess some lawyer, I don't know, I thought it was spam at first. Uh, Maybe if you guys are Netflix subscribers, you will have gotten the same email. But it said, hey, if you are a current or former Netflix subscriber, a class action settlement could affect you. And you know how these things usually go. Here's your share of $19 million split between 20 million people. (laughs) 
here's your 50 cents or whatever. But I, th- I thought it was interesting because I didn't hear anything about it in the news. The first I heard about, and I don't know, maybe that's normal. They don't, uh, they don't like publicity for their class actions. I don't know. But it says that uh, our records show you were a current or former Netflix subscriber as of July 5th, 2012. We're emailing to tell you about a settlement that may affect your legal rights. Now I'm like, ooh, legal rights, huh? Well, legalese. Please read this carefully. Go to videoprivacyclass.com, which Ant went there and proceeded to get his computer pwned. I did not. Did you get the malware cleaned up? I'm clean, man. I'm Linux, remember? Oh, yeah, right. I forgot. (laughs) A settlement has been reached in a class action lawsuit that claims Netflix unlawfully kept and disclosed information including records on the movies and the TV shows its customers viewed. Netflix denies that it has done anything wrong. Now, if are these allegations... Here, Larry Press, you play the role of Netflix. I'll play the role of the prosecutor. Ant, Mike, you can be the judge and the jury. Eric, you just be the executioner. If it please the court... Got it. Did you or did you not... Tell third parties what I was watching on Netflix, Mr. Netflix. That was valuable valuable information. I got the information in order to keep your money. Objection, your honor. Objection. (laughs) Irrelevant. Who cares anyhow? (laughs) The only person that cares is the damn attorneys that did the class action suit. Yeah, that's pretty much the gist of it, isn't it? I didn't quite understand it when I first got it because, like you, I thought it was spam for right? a second. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, this is good. We need to and figure out a, a better verification or authentication method for email because yeah. this, is, this is ridiculous. I kept reading the thing, and I pulled it up on, um, on my phone, and I read it on my phone. I said, oh, okay, this is really not a big deal, you know, People are always uh, fussing about privacy online anyway, but Netflix isn't the whole point of their service is to sort of tailor it around what you watch. You know, not only you get these DVDs and so forth uh, at your own um, on demand when you send them in and send them back and whatnot, but they also recommend stuff to you based on what you watch. Right, and enabling the streaming enabled people to consume more content It enabled people to have another queue, which in essence is another signal that yeah. depending on what you put in this queue, we can more, we can give you different recommendations, better recommendations, whatever, which that's all well and good, right? Amazon does. I mean, everybody yeah, does it. Freaking. If you search on yet another dot com for something in the search box and it doesn't find it, it will recommend other things. You know, it's, it's just uh, It's just a way of life now. Now, if you give those recommendations or the information, the data that you used to get those recommendations, either of those signals, if you give that to third parties, am I cool with that as a a privacy-minded netizen? Do we know who who they gave this to? Like, is, is it companies or is this possibly related to the Netflix prize contest that they've run at least once, if not twice? Uh, it says a settlement has been reached uh, that claims Netflix unlawfully kept and disclosed information, including records on what you were watching, right? Uh, Netflix 
It says, what does the settlement provide? It says Netflix has agreed to change its data retention practices so that it separates, uh, known as decoupling, entertainment content viewing history, that is movies and TV shows that someone watched, from identification information for those subscribers who have not been a Netflix subscriber for at least one year, 365 days, with some exceptions. And then also Netflix will pay $9 million into a settlement fund to make donations to court-approved not-for-profit organizations, institutions, or programs to pay notice and settlement administration expenses, attorney fees up to 25% or $2.25 million. I yeah, am to in me, this the is all wrong. about that. This is all about the lawyers figuring out a way to pocket two point two five million. Right? They, they could care less about what else happened. About I mean, your privacy? Are you telling me they don't care about my privacy, Mike? They, they don't care a ding dong about <laughs> your privacy or mine. <laughs> Wake up and smell the roses. Where's the harm anyway? <laughs> <laughs> my privacy hurts. Do you oh, feel that? Damn. That's well, my privacy, and it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> well, your privacy, you care? your privacy may hurt, but the lawyers don't care. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm out of us, so I don't care. I just spray a little money on that achy privacy, and it goes right away. It's ama- It's amazing. It's magic. <laughs> I care well, less, Larry. I mean, if they if. If they want to go ahead and tell, um, I don't know, some third-party vendor, hey, he's been watching a lot of Mad Men or what have you, so you might can target him for so-and-so ads. It's going to be more like he was watching a lot of Desperate Housewives and somebody leaked that information on the internet, (laughs) and now your privacy privacy really (laughs) does hurt. (laughs) if, if, If Netflix does that, Shame on them, and the marketplace is going to punish them because that word's going to get around, and we're all going to go over to Amazon's rental service. All right. You know, what's the who difference open about who they skim it to? You know, yeah, exactly. about it. You know, that's a good point. <laughs> so, what's the difference? Larry, do you care? Because you asked the question a minute ago. No, I don't care at all. Eric, yeah. do you care? Well, I guess that depends. No, I mean, it doesn't, it like, Eric. It looks like some researchers were able to identify individual users using those data sets that Netflix released a few years ago. So I, there's a little bit of a creep factor if, you know, Ant can go download the Netflix data and say, oh, I see Eric's watching Firefly again. Like, that's a little <laughs> creepy. And maybe it makes me not want to, you know, deal with Netflix. Well, let me ask you guys this. What's the difference between this and Facebook doing it? Facebook shares your third your information with third parties all the time. Friends of friends of friends of friends and apps and advertisers. I mean, probably the difference is Facebook tells you what they're doing, and these guys just shared it without or sold it. Right? They sold it without telling anybody. I mean, I I'd get a little to'd if if it came out that uh, you know Netflix made my viewing habits public. Not, but you know. Listen to is, this is, and tell me. Is there me, any evidence that that's actually happening? Has anybody been harmed by this practice? Nobody is ever harmed by anything like this. But now listen to this and then tell me what you think is fair. The, the plaintiffs, the name plaintiffs, that's you, me, and my privacy, 
We're yeah. going to get a, a settlement of, uh, what, $30,000? So, sweet deal to us. 30000 for our, our privacy compared to $2.25 million for yeah, them. That. Like, is that, is that well-balanced? Is that, is that fair? That's Hold on, let me go ask my privacy real quick there in the next My privacy is yeah. in the shower trying to wash the shame away. Thank you, Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, it, it, let, me, let me ask you this. If, you know, was it $2.25 million? If this was, you know, $250 million, would this be a bigger story? If the lawyers were getting more money by an exponential, yeah. By yeah, would it be a bigger story? Because two point two five million dollars is—I hate saying it nowadays. You know, it's a good point. I think the answer is no, yes. I mean, if if we're all getting a check for a hundred dollars from Netflix for just sitting there and being lazy and watching crap on the TV, yeah, it's going to be a bigger story. Am I going to yeah. take my fifty cents and make a big deal about it? No, it's not a big deal. People don't care about it, so just all about the money. Two two and a half million is is a, a nice day's income for a law firm of of three people who right. pursued this against um, uh, against uh, Netflix, and you know, you know they probably have costs for doing this of about a hundred thousand dollars. So the three of them are going to split two point four million. They're they're each going to walk away with six hundred thousand dollars. You know, which is not a bad bad uh, income for uh, for the the three of them. And I'm assuming the relationship with that Netflix has with the studios is not going to be affected by this. Um, they just want the content out there, right? Y'all agree? Yeah. It's in their best interest less. too, but based yeah. on the way they've been conducting business, you wouldn't realize that. Well, they yeah. may even be selling this data back to the studio. All right. Well, it was just. I, I mean, they're selling. You know, somebody said something about the data being public. Now, I would be pissed if they set up a big website and anybody in the world could go see what movies I'm. If doing. they made like a Rotten ah, Tomatoes, that would, but that would be, be yeah. kind of cool. But I wouldn't want to be in that. That that right. would be a pisser. I agree. Yeah, that, that would piss me off. Yeah. 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 I mean that 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 feels like a violation of, of privacy, but that's not what they're doing. No, not they're just the advertising. Yeah, which is what you should expect from any any online service. It's online ruined. Service. It's ruined online writing because people write for clicks, which ruins the content. It's ruined basically everything that has to make money by attracting people because that instantly causes you to conduct shady practices in order to get the most people there so you can make a quick buck because nobody cares anymore. And that's kind of sad because it's ruining big parts of the internet, I think. But whatever. So moving on, speaking of ruining big parts of the internet, (laughs) Verizon finally, and this is something very near and dear to Eric and myself being large uh, Android fanboys and girls, uh, you know that that silly tethering that Verizon makes you pay for every month. Well, apparently they maybe weren't supposed to be doing that because of a a little part in their what what is it their Spectrum deal that said that you're not supposed to to do that. 
The FCC reached a settlement with Verizon requiring them to pay $1.25 million. <laughs> so about half of what the Netflix guys are doing. <laughs> yeah, an, an even smaller number. Great. Uh, to the Treasury, which is a tiny amount relative to the $6.9 billion it took from us uh, in uh, from mobile data in the last quarter. And then they also have to notify Google that it no longer objects to the tethering apps in its app store. Which there's this seems weird because Eric in in here there's there's a quote from the Verizon guy that said he's like completely missing the point of what what they got in trouble for. Rich Young, Verizon's director of media relations, the spin doctor, right, for human resources issues, he sent a statement on Tuesday saying the company had not blocked customers from using third party apps. We didn't say you blocked third-party apps, dude. You blocked tethering apps. You had them removed from the Play Store. And I know because I bought one called PDANet back in the day. I have been tethering since day one on my OG droid, and I've never once paid Verizon for it. So you can suck it. But anyway, <laughs> they, they're saying, well, we, we never said you couldn't use third-party apps. You can use all the third-party apps you want. What they were doing, though, was going one by one after these tether manufacturing apps like uh, PDA Net, Fox 5. I mean, there's a ton of them out there. And, I mean, really, all you have to do if, I mean, it's, it's harder than, say, using Fox 5 and PDA Net to tether for free. But any custom ROM you run, and Eric, you can vouch for this, they have the tethering unlocked. I no longer, on this Jelly Bean ROM, I no longer need to run another app i can use the built-in tethering and verizon doesn't care or know or whatever so eric well first off i mean they're they're just they're playing the pr game and if you look back the their their company line has been well google's the one that runs the marketplace we have nothing to do with it (laughs) when in fact that it's kind of bs because they were clearly, just like AT&T, putting pressure on Google at a time where Google was trying to be – I mean they're still trying to be competitive with the iPhone. But it was that critical time where Google started getting like a, a, a critical mass of users. So then to come out and say, well, we've always – we haven't done anything because they literally do not have the keys to the Android marketplace kingdom is, is complete and utter nonsense. And then to top it all off, they, they – create a scapegoat of one of their employees who is probably screwed for the next few years in finding a job. That's messed up in and of itself, what they did there. Let me see if I can find it. And they said, an employee's communication with an app store operator. Yeah. So, so what I is mean, what that? What that says to me is that they have no oversight. You know, There's no executive or middle management oversight over what people do, and they were reading these stories in the you know, if we were to believe them, they were reading all these stories in the press at the time and saying, oh, that's nice. You know, somebody else must have signed off on that. It's just so, lazy and management. It's, it's interesting the way the story's written. It, it, it almost misses the point of what was really going on in the Play Store and how you were able to, to accomplish this. Because they're making it sound like, like we said at the beginning of this, that, oh, they were trying to block all third-party apps. It's like it wasn't even anywhere near that. Uh, they say that thanks to a government investigation, this is on uh, the Bits blog's New York Times, 
uh, a large number of Verizon Wireless customers will be able to download apps that share a smartphone's internet connection with other devices, a feature known as tethering, and they won't have to pay monthly fees for it. Uh, the FCC said on Tuesday it started investigating after seeing reports that Verizon had pressured Google to block apps from the Android App Store that gave customers tethering abilities without that 20 bucks a month that Verizon wanted. Which, Verizon's always done this with all of their apps. Back in the day, on this phone, the old Windows 6.5 and 6.1 mobile phone, you could install Google Maps on these, but you couldn't use it because the GPS in these, the AGPS, was locked to Verizon Navigator. And if you wanted Verizon Navigator, guess what? You had to pay us every month for it. I remember that. And guess what else? It was the biggest pile of crap. It was the worst. I remember that. Even on the BlackBerry, they had the VZ Navigator versus the BlackBerry Maps. They tried to strong arm their BS apps. And this was before, like nowadays, they do have a couple decent ones. I like the My Verizon. Those were good. But back then, they were just trying to like, here, use this, like shoving it down our throats almost. It was. Couldn't remove it or nothing. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, we still see remnants of that today with the bloatware that comes on most Verizon. I mean, we had a really good discussion last night on Attack of the Androids about how the Verizon Galaxy Nexus doesn't say Google on it. Really, if you think about it, not a true Nexus device. The only way it becomes a true device is if you unlock it and you do the updates yourself. Because they're still right. on 4.3. Wait, or 4.03. What? That's sad. But, anyway, I, I like it. There, there is. There were some comments, and I'm curious what you guys think about this. That is, is it in the government's or in the people's best interest to have the government come in and say one way or another, or is that too much government uh, interference? What do you think, Larry? Hey, I'm all. I'm, I don't hate government the way a lot of people do. Sorry. Uh, no, I think. Actually, when I saw this, I thought, whoa, the FCC is going to really start. Uh, they did something good. Rationality. And I this thought, is. Oh, this is going to be cool. But, but then in reading it, as I understand it, and I haven't paid a ton of attention to it because I'm not a, a big cell phone guy, uh, it sounds like it only it's only a technicality in the contract they did for some LTE spectrum. Because of the. Yeah. It's not like some general thing of. Hey, bandwidth, bandwidth, and you gotta let people with unlimited accounts use the bandwidth forever. They this want. has nothing to do with the net neutrality issue of Verizon saying that it's their constitutional right to prioritize packets or anything like that. Which I think, if the FCC wanted to make good, that that's where they should have also stepped in and been like, "You're out of your mind, Verizon. You can't hide behind the Constitution, yeah. so you can throttle bits and bytes and say who gets what when." That's not how the internet should work. Well, this isn't really. I wouldn't. I would not define it as a technicality. I'm, they basically, we decided as a, you know the the country decided that hey, we're going to um, we're going to move away from the. Uh, analog spectrum to the digital spectrum. So the public trust had this spectrum that they wanted to do something with, so they decided to sell the rights to use it to a company. And as part, as a stipulation of a private company using that spectrum, they had to keep it, they had to keep it open and free. So it's, it's, not like, it's not like Verizon you know, had a gotcha 
hidden somewhere in in their agreement with the with the government saying that they had to do this and they didn't realize it it was a very widely publicized thing and those deals that happen that they just blatantly ignored those deals happen all the time the the one of the main uh landline carriers here had deals with the city that they would lay dropping phones they would lay the copper and everything and they retained certain rights and got certain tax breaks. And even to this day, any other ISP has to – I think I've mentioned this before on the show. They have to pay their $25 a month to CenturyTel or CenturyLink or whatever it's called now. So regardless of who you get your DSL from, it's going through CenturyLink at, at the end. And they get their 25 bucks a month from it. Eric? Did, did you just, is, is what you just said that it's not just for this one particular spectrum deal, but that it's a more generic, uh, more generally applicable? Thing? No, it, it was just for this one spectrum deal, but, and that's because this spectrum was highly coveted. Um, mm-hmm. Google put in a bid for this. Uh, I, it basically, when they were, when everybody was bidding for this spectrum, um, because they looked at it as an easy way to get LTE coverage quickly. Um, they, uh, the government said if, if the bid reaches a certain amount of money, you have to keep it open and free to all applications. So Google just threw in the bid immediately, making it hit that level. Um, gotcha. And then that Verizon apparently made the decision like, hey, you know, it's worth, it's worth it to us to go forward, even though we will have to follow these rules. And they didn't. Um, but that doesn't mean AT&T has to follow the rules because they were not the ones that you know, bought the spectrum. Does this have any implications for uh, Apple customers, Apple uh, iOS people that have it, um, Verizon accounts? It does in a way. Um, what it means is that if if there were, I mean, Apple's a very, that's a walled garden. It's a very curated environment. But were there but applications if, that allowed you to tether like there was on Android? I, or did you have to jailbreak your phone in order to access those? I don't know, I but can't if, you, an if there are, if there know. is an application and you can put it on your device, then Verizon cannot be the one to block you from using it. Apple That's not to say Apple can't. But why would it? It doesn't seem like it would be in their. Uh, in- it's in their best interest for us to have bits flowing as freely and as plentifully as possible. Right now, I think the, the new uh, whatever they call it, the the iPad three or not three. It, it is LTE device, is it not, or not? I wasn't the jury still out. I don't know. I don't follow that stuff. <laughs> but the next iPhone surely will be. It almost yeah. has to be, right? Yeah. Otherwise, at this point, it has to be. You yeah. think, right? So it may be that that uh, who knows that may open up a little can of worms. But so what's also funny now? They're saying uh, in this article that once third-party tethering apps become available again. Android customers, and they are focusing on Android here, uh, can download them to circumvent Verizon's monthly fee for tethering. However, for those with limited data plans, tethering still counts toward overall data use. Uh, those customers who still have unlimited data plans are the big winners here. Yeah, they're the only ones. Right. But is, so does this, did, am I reading this correctly? So Verizon is still allowed to charge their $20, but they can no longer block the other third-party apps that are not charging, right? That's what it sounds like. No, what I hear is they're saying that if you've got a limited data plan, uh, the $20 deal is gone. But no, because it says that they can, 
if you can download the apps to circumvent Verizon's monthly fee for tethering, making it sound like Verizon is still leaving in place their subscription. And if you want to use the built-in tethering that comes with your phone's operating system, rather than have to get a third-party app, then you have to pay them the 20 bucks a month. But now you have the choice. That's what's... Why would anybody ever do that? Because some people don't know there are third-party apps, and they automatically go into here, into settings, into more. They're going to click tethering portable hotspot. It's going to say this is going to charge you. They're going to say, oh, that must be normal. Those people have to watch the apps, man. I know. Well, see, I know. Those are the same. Those are the same users that are going to the Verizon classes each Saturday. And just getting to taught how to use the phone. Getting taught how to install advanced task killer. Yeah. It's the <laughs> it's worst the same, Verizon. It's the same folks. You know. It's gonna be just fine for, for most of us out here in the geek world. And you know you what? Know? Honestly, if if Verizon wants to point any fingers, they should point fingers at themselves because it's their fault for not educating their users, which causes a bunch of people to have a bunch of nasty stuff on their phones. And when that nasty stuff has LTE speeds, your whole network slows down for everybody. Yep. So the, the less educated your users are, the slower your network's going to be. And that's your fault. And so you're trying to make up for that by throttling and by completely breaking net neutrality. That's cool, Verizon. How about you teach your customers a thing or two? That would be called being a responsible um, merchant. I know. Well, maybe a few more of these FCC fines and they'll get, you know, tricked into doing it or something. No, you know what? I blame Android. I don't, I don't know if you guys want to make a segue, but the Google story, Google may beat them into it just in the old fashioned way, like competition. Well, let's get into this. Gigabit. Who's that ready for gigabit stuff. Ethernet up? Uh, gigabit down, gigabit up, Kansas City? And this is amazing. Damn, bring it on. <laughs> One thing you just said, I wasn't sure. Is it symmetrical? Uh, I thought okay. I read that it was symmetrical. All right. I could, I could be mistaken, though. Hey, I'll take asymmetric. Either way, right? <laughs> gigabit, yeah. I mean, <laughs> could you imagine said, broadcasting? Yeah, <laughs> could you imagine broadcasting yachts and beautiful HD gigabit internet? I mean, I'm on a 30 megabit cable. And five up, 30 down, five up, and it looks okay. Do you imagine if you had gigabit? I mean, are there really, in, in, in practice, are there any websites that are going to be able to utilize this? Or it's more for now I can watch Netflix while I'm downloading this, while I'm doing this? Because I think the bottlenecks pretty soon are going to be hard drives. You can only read and write so fast. Web servers well, are only that, serving so fast. I think geeks are focusing on the gigabit what the big story is is free internet five megabits a second you just have to pay the 300 hundred dollar construction charge right to get that's built out story. to your house yeah but yeah. you know what those that's such a those people in no time are going to be upgrading you think they'll end Absolutely. up upgrading that's a really five megabits like dsl speed right yeah yeah I'm not going to upgrade. I'm going to stop. Start right at that top tier, and t- <laughs> which which includes. Do you, you see all this stuff? It includes like eight virtual tuners. Yeah. They give you a Nexus Seven. A DVR. They're giving you a Nexus uh, Seven. Like that is so cool. I want and a, a Nexus, Nexus 7. Seven. As a 
That's right. Man. No, but, okay, before there's a ton of on it. I'm okay. I'm totally positive, but there are unanswered questions. Like to get burst our bubble, question. Uncle Larry. Just burst it. Okay. No, no. Listen, man. I love this thing, but I gotta also say <laughs> what the hell. The, the to get that Nexus Seven, I'll bet you. I bet it's not much. So I'd sign up, get the Nexus Seven, and probably. No, I'll, there, I'll bet there's going to, maybe, are there any caps? Is uh-huh. it asymmetric? There, there are still. What do you get for that $70 TV? Uh, what channels do you get? So on and so forth. It, it's still kind of undefined. But it's still, I mean, it's an obvious, it's, it's no brainer. But we're not talking old school business models here. We're talking Google being in its best interest to have you consuming as much of whatever you want, whenever you want. If, if Google gets everybody on the net, they don't have to make any profit because they're, they're, they make the money on the advertising. Exactly. And if their ads are getting served at a gigabit speed, I mean, come on. Even better. It's the clock. And, yeah, I mean, it just goes and goes. The the, um, the deal they've got to roll out the did – you, did you guys pay attention to the way they're going to uh, phase the rollout, decide which neighborhoods to go into? They first? are using people – as their sales force, they are turning you into a salesman. I want to go door to door here and tell people about it. You know, like we don't even have it. But that's brilliant. And I heard there's a group called, I think it was Infected Mushroom that was doing this. They're a music group. And when they released one of their albums, they made it so that if you told a friend and got them to download a free track, you would get a track for free. And it basically... They had these different levels, and there was one part where you could actually make money by, and it, it, what it did in essence was turn their fan base into a sales force. It, it was really smart how they did it, and that's kind of what this reminds me of: using your customers as your sales force. They'll they'll let you have your neighborhood if, if your when your neighborhood gets on. Also, they give you uh, free connectivity to the schools and the libraries. And the community centers and, and, and hospitals in your neighborhood. I mean, it's a really cool marketing plan. Um, there's, there's, it's just uh, other things pop into my head. Do you guys not think that maybe they've provisioned enough fiber to do mobile backhaul? Is that the next shoe to drop? That they're going to be a cell phone company in Kansas City? How much harder would that be to do? I mean, if anyone could do it, they're the ones in the position, right? I think it is pretty good foreshadowing. Larry, back up for for the 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 dumb guy here. What is what is mobile backhaul? Well, like you know, you got all those cell towers with all those radios on them, but you know they got to connect back to the internet. Yep. And my guess is that they, I mean, won't Google be in a position to go into the cell business if they want to? Yes. Well, they would. They would. I would say they would be in a better position to partner with someone like Light Squared, because they have half of it. You partner with someone that has the other half, which is the radios out. They have from the station back. No, you think they would just do it all themselves? No, no, no. I, I, I didn't mean to apply that, but I, I would think that they, in their provisioning and their capacity planning, that they must have in the back of their head. Well, maybe we'll hook up the houses, but hey, maybe we'll also go into the mobile business. And you're right. They may not be the retailer and they may not even own the radios, but they will have the back all there. 
So, or they could license it out, or maybe they can't, depending on what kind of rules went with their acquisition of the, the fiber that they're using, right? Well, it's their fiber. Yeah, maybe they pay in some... Uh, well, I'm saying like Verizon and the LTE spectrum, there's these certain provisions that are on it. I'm curious if Google even had any at all, and if they did what they were. Who knows what kind of deal they have to make with Kansas City for the uh, right. conduit right away and stuff like that. You, you know what I'm realizing in this conversation? What? I'm realizing in this conversation that I am so totally teed off with the uh, AT&T and the mel uh, cell phone providers that I would welcome almost anyone into this um, competition as an alternative to AT&T or, or whomever. Like the lesser of evils here. We're running yeah. out of, <laughs> of viable options. Yeah. I, I w if, if it's a choice for me between Google and AT&T, give me AT&T. Uh, <laughs> give me well, Google every time. Freudian slip. But what, yep. And what would it take for Google to come in and just completely offer unlimited everything just to disrupt, just to be a disruption? I would love to see that. All they have to do is break. If they can break even, um, then they win by selling ads. I mean, it's yep. and we all get free Nexus Sevens. I mean, come on. I don't think they have you, to. No, I don't think they have to break even. I think they can lose money on this and make it back up on incremental that's, search revenue. That's definitely a yeah, possibility. Yeah. yeah, you know, here's another. Wild card, and I didn't think this one up. I, I saw this one from uh, Cringely, that columnist guy. Uh, you, like, I have one. Have you guys run into the thing called Phone FOM? No, is that, company? is that voice over IP stuff or? No, it's no, it's no, it's not at all. It's uh, it's the deal is this, and I have one out in my garage somewhere. We'll give you a Wi Fi router for free. It's basically trying to get people to have kind of everybody's uh, everybody in the world sharing their backhaul essentially, and it turns out that I just learned today Google bought that company. Really? So who knows what? Yeah, I think so, I have so, one of those routers. These guys plan. Not only will your house have gigabit Ethernet uh, internet, but you will also be a a, a Wi-Fi hotspot for anybody that uh, is near your house. So this is a phone. Is that similar to WiMAX? The way Sprint was doing at one time is similar to WiMAX. We're making it more like a what do you call it? A man, a metro, a mesh network. Well, the wiki says that their company operates a system of dual access wireless networks. They claim to have the largest Wi-Fi network in the world with over five million hotspots. Members, whom the company calls Foneros, agree to share a part of their bandwidth as a Wi-Fi signal so they can connect to other members' hotspots. This was kind of the idea of doing it in Cuba, right? If you could just get someone to come in and lay their own mobile network, you wouldn't have to deal with the government or anything. This is, this is kind of that, just blanketing the city with, with your own, you know, a dark net or whatever. That's really cool. The phone things were... Word mesh 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 Wi-Fi. I worked on a mesh Wi-Fi project a couple of years ago, and mm -hmm. the technology's gotten better. But once you got maybe uh, two 
I hear some feedback. If, if you got more than two hops away from the backhaul point, the latency just really ate, went down. Now that was a few years ago and the equipment's better, but it's still not the kind, a mesh isn't gonna cover an island like Huber or something, that's for sure. Well, yeah. But no, these phone deals, at least the deal I got, the FON phone deal I got, it's just, we will give you, uh, you know, a Wi-Fi, um, you know, router, whatever people call them. And all you have to do, Get it for free, but you have to leave it open. And that's and I got it, and I never even looked it up. And something just went wrong with Ant. Ant's back. <laughs> but anyhow, the bottom line is: Do you guys think Google's going to be a big disruptive force in in uh, internet yes. service? Yes. Yes. Well, I, you know, I don't know how else you would interpret their initiative that's now run several years to roll out high-speed internet connectivity in major cities. So Kansas City is, is, is their current step in, on that trajectory, but it's, it's not the, by any means their last step on it. And yeah, I think, I think they have every potential to be disruptive. They've got scale, they've got resources, and they've got motive. Yeah. See, the optimist in me wants to say, yeah, they can be a disruptor. But the realist says that these people at AT&T, at Verizon, they're, they're so deeply embedded uh, in, you know, you, in, in, the, in the government, in business, that I don't, I don't know how they're going to be moved by Google, even though Google does have a lot of money and a lot of resources themselves. You're so jaded, Eric. I I'm sorry. I I just I've I've worked with I've worked with some of these AT&T guys in previous jobs and the they firmly believe that the public needs them and that we can't live without them. So they they really don't care what we what we think or what we do. Which and when and when you conduct you business, would think that would be dis, you would think that would be a uh you know, it would be hurtful to their business model, but I haven't really seen it happen. Because the choice isn't there. And when, when people conduct business that way, it's very, very dangerous for the end user. No good. I don't know. I want fiber. I want fiber, too. Hey, Eric, the, the uh, okay, they, they are going to be able to fight like hell probably uh, over using Spectrum ownership as a, as a club. But how about with the, the fiber part? You think they'll, I mean, it's pretty just, their prices by U.S. standards are very disruptive. Um, For what well, you're getting, that's, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know too much about uh, the particular laws, but has, haven't the old telecoms been successful in thwarting um, competitors coming into cities and, and uh, laying down uh, their own infrastructure? Like, don't... I, th- I, I was I was under the impression that deals made long ago uh, guaranteed that you know AT and T is the person that provides internet to this area because they paid for the infrastructure and this is you know us as a you know country paying them back for their good service. Yeah, they can have deals, I guess, with municipalities, but I wouldn't think that they run forever. I'll bet it varies like crazy from one city to another. Um, I know the cable companies do franchise deals. Um, I think yeah. for the fiber, the competitors, not AT&T and, and Verizon, I, 
I think they've divided the world up. Those guys are going after the mobile and, and they're going to let the cable guys have the, the fixed connections. Um, yeah, I'm sure that, that there's some, some constraints, but uh, the city, if a city, I'm sure Kansas City found a way to let Google put their fiber in. And I'll bet they, I don't know if they charge Google an arm and a leg. Well, the fiber was already there. From what I understand, the fiber has been there. The fiber was laid back before the first dot-com bust. And when that busted, nobody lit it up. So now there's all this fiber all over the place. And Google is finally coming in and doing something with it, which is fantastic. That's the the case in a lot of places in the country. Whoa, ladies, one at a time. Ant? That's that's the case have, in a lot of places in Larry. the country. You know, fiber is fiber is everywhere. <laughs> you know, it's just not really being used unless it's on an internal uh, network between, like, say, two, um, like a like a banking complex that has you know multiple multiple big high rise towers there, and they have their fiber between them. You know, that's that's not uncommon. No, but I, I think it's going to vary like crazy from one city to another. And I know cities make deals like they'll give a, uh, you know, 10 years of use of conduits and stuff, um, you know, access to conduits. And I'll, be, I'll bet it varies like crazy from one city to another. Well, Larry, I look forward to, be, to being made a believer. I'll hold my negativity myself. Yeah. <laughs> You and your One thing they've been itself. really successful was when the, uh, remember in 96, Congress backed that telecom act that said they had to give uh, competitors access to the central offices. And they, they certainly were able to beat that down. Uh, but Google's probably not going to be asking for that. They won't be asking for that. They don't need access to their last miles. That's right. It'll be interesting you know, to see. You know, it strikes me that Google's really got two two vulnerabilities. One is to the superior lobbying strength of the big telcos in Washington. And the other is to the uh, vicissitudes of the municipal governments, which they have to work with. Okay, let me be the, the devil's advocate in the, away from being a curmudgeon. Uh, Remember when Google put out the contest and they said, "How many? You know, we're going to give gigabits." Yeah. And how many cities said, "Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah! We want to." They had. They were overrun with applicants. Yeah, yeah. So there's plenty of cities will, willing to cut them whatever deal to, uh, you know. And what do you, you know? Kansas City is a big win for Kansas City. Shit! If I were Kansas City, I would have paid Google. And you know that makes it a classical disruption because it means. Uh, Google can come in where they're invited, where they're most desired, and erode the revenue base of the big players and gradually build business. Let me, in closing, we need to we need to move on before we wrap up, but let me ask you guys this. Google, being an ad company, is having fiber pipes the biggest signal ever? The biggest signal ever ever on what you're doing to serve you ads think about it if they not only do they know your searches but now they control just play a little more devils here if they own the pipes you're using to connect 
they basically win. They have the full no picture. Them. They have the full picture at that point to tailor ads perfectly to you and predict yeah, I, I, what I, I you worry want. about that. You it's know, just Google. a thought. We're we're focusing on all the good stuff, and I mean, they are an ad company, and as much as I love them and love their devices and Android, it's do we want? I I'm not. I don't want to say a biased partner owning the rights to the pipes, but you know, do we want an ad company running the pipes? I would be. I would rather see the pipes run by W3C schools, that consortium, than maybe Google. But I would like to see it funded by Google. So, just an idea. All right, moving on. Uh, the Olympics have been <laughs> just blowing up the internet and vice versa, right? I don't want to get red flagged by using the word Olympics and the words blowing up, but um, <laughs> they did have some connectivity problems. It kind of shows the lack of preparation of their talking heads because as soon as you cut their signal, they're lost. They have no idea what to do. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, how did the live online streaming go? Are any of you guys watching this? I am. Because I yeah. really could care less. But you. Yes. All right. Are you watching I it as a cord right. cutter or are you watching it on your paid cable no, television? No, I, I'm watching it as a cord cutter. And the thing that's striking is the live online streaming of the Tour de France was really terrific. And the live screening of the Olympics, which is to give them a, I mean, it's a way harder thing to do. A lot of events, uh, is really crappy. Uh, the, the performance is, is just terrible. Why is that? Uh, well, you know, I'm not even sure. Um, it, it oops, might disappear. Um, I can tell you that somebody, a different bunch of people are doing the streaming. The streaming is being done by Google because it's also, you can look at it through uh, YouTube, and it's just slow and jerky. And they, uh, the, the default speed that they assign to you, it's like, you know, it's just not. It's kind of unwatchable. So if they the had Tour de France stuff was really was quite fine on my, you know. Uh, but you're talking. Uh, now there's an exception. Let me, let me give you one exception. Is if you, I've done it every which way. I've done it over the web on my laptop, over the web, on my YSI Mac. Uh, and I also installed the iPhone and iPad apps. Those stream the video very nicely. So maybe Flash has got some. With or without your cable subscription? Well, let's not... I, I'm going to take the fifth on that. Okay. 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 <laughs> Fair enough. This, Fair but enough. I don't have a cable subscription. But let's say... That's so were you able to consume all of the proper media you wanted to consume with no. No, with what, what you were using? Is, I watched the Tour de France like crazy on my laptop. I'm watching the Olympics now after having fooled around with the streaming for several days. I'm watching them on TV. The, the streaming to my laptop sucks. Uh, the streaming to my wife's... Uh, iMac is a little bit better. The streaming to the iPhone or the iPad is okay, but I don't want to sit and look at an iPhone or an iPad. Um, the other day I looked for about five minutes on an iPhone because I was out of the house. But um, the, 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 the bandwidth, the, the, the performance is just worse 
than it was on the Tour de France. And it, it goes beyond that. The, 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 uh, it, it turns out, like, for some sports, you don't need commentary. But for some sports, you really do, like bicycle racing, uh, road racing. It's hard to know what's going on uh, if you're just seeing a picture. So that's a, a real direction problem that they have to throw people at. Um, so I, it's, I, it's way harder to do all the events of the Tour de France, or the Olympics, than just the Tour de France. I'll give them that. But, um, yeah, no, I consider it kind of unwatchable. Plus, it is so full of ants. <laughs> It would be the same as if, like, they were there were commentators there, but behind the commentators were like these bird sounds, and you were trying to focus on what they were saying, but all you could hear were birds or dogs. Uh, you don't hear, like, you don't hear anything. You just there's no soundtrack. Uh, you're just seeing the video. Oh. And okay. Well, that makes sense. The events that they're simulcasting that are going out over uh, one of their TV channels, then you do get the commentary that that's going out. You get the same thing that's going on TV. But for example, I watched the bicycle road race, and there's no commentary. You're just seeing the guys. There's a little bit of on-screen pop-ups, but you're never quite sure. Uh, you know, you don't know how far the, the peloton is behind the first break group. And there, you really do need some context. On the other hand, you can watch something like, uh, you know, ladies weightlifting, and that's pretty obvious. You know, if you know the players, then hey, she got it up, but she didn't get it up. Uh, so th- that doesn't need the commentary as much. Also, the the uh, the ads. I, that's something I forgot to say. But Jesus, it's just ad city. I mean, it's just ads, 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 ads. Yeah, but how much did those companies pay? to put those ads in front of you. It, it almost seems like the, with with the you're almost paying them to annoy your users at that point because you're you're overexposed because they have to show you that frequency of ads to make it worthwhile and you get to a point I think where right up until that point you're still brand loyal but then you go over that point like the the I can't even think of what it's called, head-on or whatever. Those commercials apply directly to the four. Like, that That got to a point where I hated that product and I would never use it, even if I did have a headache and even if I believed it. Exactly. Yeah, you know, so you get to a point where overexposure starts having negative effects. And how do you measure that in the amount of money you just wasted? But, Matt, years later, you are still talking about head-on. That's a good point, Eric. I am. And I, I never... Yeah. You know, there's a sort of a psychological thing, too. I'm used to seeing ads on TV, and they bug me, but not that much. But when I'm streaming something, it's just jarring as hell. You don't expect an ad to pop up. And it's it's uh, no, it's really disconcerting. You know, I the think Turf that... have very little ads, and but what they, they had just some uh, banner ads, but they charge you for it. And I think that's a better deal. I'd, re- I'd much rather be paying for the Olympics and get it. I... I, I would join you in that, Larry. I, th- I think this Olympics is the not quite ready for the Internet Olympics. This is, the, this is, this is the beta version. You know, on the one hand, it, I, the statistic I've heard is that NBC is going to be making available over the air or Internet something like 4,000 hours of coverage of Olympics events during these two weeks. And that just by itself sounds damned impressive. But viewing some of this stuff, especially the more popular events on the net, 
is a is an exercise in frustration. You know, it's puzzling to me. NBC obviously spent a lot of time and money developing the the NBC Olympics app, but then they haven't put the the infrastructure behind it. They hamstringed it. Yeah, they hampered yeah. their own app. <clears throat> To, to really make it a, a an enjoyable uh, experience. And then finally, you've got the problem of old media, which only understands the advertising model. Pushing, exactly. And that's going to eventually be their downfall. Yeah. Part of it, a substantial part of it. Now, when at the same time, you guys remember, I'm sorry, go ahead, Larry. No, I was just going to say, NBC did the Tour de France, and they did it, and, you know, it's, it's just way better. There was no technical... Yeah, but Larry, problems. you're talking numbers that are nowhere near what the Olympics were getting. I mean, come on. It's a, a smaller technological feat, definitely. Yeah, that's one thing. You can see in real time, it says seven, you know, 17,000 people are watching this right now. That's kind of cool. Uh, and, yeah. and, and with the Tour de France, I'm sure NBC had to pay some kind of franchise fee, but it, it wasn't like paying the Olympics, you know, the, the gross national product of Africa. Exactly. In, in order to... Uh, Different uh, scales. You know, have the Olympics coverage. Now, do you guys remember the Beijing Olympics? Um, I thought Microsoft had a lot to do with that online and using the Silverlight platform. I, I haven't that. looked at I haven't looked at any of the online Olympics this year. Because I heard about all of the subscription stuff. I mean, like, what's the point of if a cord cutter wants to watch it online, why does he have to enter in some type of cable subscription information to even see it online? So I really haven't put a lot of effort into it. But the apps that are online, is it still running on, on, I'm assuming it's not running on Silverlight since it's back in by Google, right? That's correct. Okay. Is it but HTML5? You didn't hear all of this backlash four years ago in Beijing, and yet you still had the Michael Phelps stories blowing up all over the place. And, of course, you had Usain Bolt blowing up all over the place. There was a lot of people that were interested with all of those world records and stuff, but you never heard one thing about, um, man, this is poor quality. It's all stuttering, and I can't see it, you know? What did they they do the whole they didn't do it as extensively or what did they do in Beijing? I don't even didn't even know. I, I, I can barely remember. I just know that last last go around four years ago, when I was sitting at the office and wanted to turn on the Olympics, it was it was just that easy. Popped it over to the live feed. I think it was done through at the time Universal Sports H D, which is now an NBC property, right? And um, I think they are, but uh, I yeah. just went over to UniversalSportsHD.com and bam, there were the Olympics and just smooth as butter, you know? You know, I think the difference maybe is that uh, four years ago, the, it was a novelty and not you didn't have millions of... Uh, iPads and iPhones and Android devices out there all wanting to do that. Yeah. The sheer amount of connectivity in is is way more than Cuz in all honesty Silverlight sucks. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I ever used Silverlight for was Seismic and now 
they completely destroyed seismic so whatever and and four years ago Silverlight's uh, dead to me nbc was only pushing out sort of one or two feeds at a time whereas they're pushing out now like up to 20 feeds at a time okay just yeah, way more everything we're more extreme you know, and another issue around it is, and I, I've tried to, I asked, sent them an email, and they said they tell me, but they haven't. Are they going to archive this stuff? Uh, that would be kind of really cool too for remixing and sports historians and whatever. Uh, but I don't know what their plans are for that. Man, I really hope they do. They're going to you know, charge you for it. They're not going to let wanna, you. They want some premium for that stuff, man. Oh, You're going to sure. be able to go back in time and watch a world record race. Again, even though you know who won and the excitement's gone anyway, you know, they're still gonna get theirs. Got to, gotta pay for these bits right now. There's the Tour de France, has I don't know how long it's gonna stay there, but all kinds of really terrific archival material. And I hope that there's like 265 videos on there. Well, that's awesome. If you like watching uh, dudes ride bicycles, then there you go. They got what you need. All right. Well, that's going to be it for this episode of Yats number 19. Very, very good. Is there anything else you guys want to mention? You writing anything, Ant, over on a new domain? What are you doing? Uh, My last piece was about the new flavor of Linux. Uh, It's called Peppermint OS. It's a a lightweight Linux client that I enjoyed playing with it. And, um, Apparently, some of the other folks out in the open source community are giving it pretty good reviews, too. So you can find that on a new domain.net. Just search for Ant Pruitt. You, you like it, see it. You like it better than DSL? Have you ever <laughs> played Damn Small Linux? Was, I haven't seen Damn Small Linux. Somebody really? else has said something about that. That's too. always the one I That was always my go to. It actually reminded me of, I don't good. know if you remember, Puppy Linux. No. Yeah, it was one called Popular. Oh, yeah. so it was popular running off of um, live CD. You remember that, Eric? Yeah, man. And damn small Linux. Uh, I, I'm thinking like five, six years ago, you used to have that on a thumbstick and yep. use it as the uh, uh, you know the thing I would plug into people's computers to reimage them and stuff when I was fixing things. It's great. All right. Well, we got to end this before I kill Larry's dog. Thanks for listening, guys. Yet another tech show.com. Leave us a message. 462 We'll catch you guys later. Peace! Techshow.com. All right. Well, that's cool. All right. Uh, Eric, you, you writing anything uh, anywhere? You got anything to plug? Yes, sir. Uh, I just wrote a, a review of Goo Manager Beta, Ooh. which is an awesome Android app. We talked about that on last night's Attack of the Androids. That's correct, that which you should also listen to. Correct. Attackoftheandroids.com. Dot Come com. play with us. 
come play on the with piracy these, platform. These androids on our <laughs> come take a bounce on our piracy platform. That's correct. So much fun. All right. <laughs> 